want to begin this morning with a question for you. I want to ask you this. How many of you in here enjoy reading poetry? Raise your hand. All right, we got a few, got a few. Good, good, good. All right. Now tell me this, those of you all who didn't raise your hand, and be honest with me, okay? Let's be honest for a minute here. One of the reasons why you don't enjoy reading poetry is because you have a difficult time understanding it. Is that, would anybody say that's the case? Yeah, okay, Being a few honest people in here. All right, good. Have a difficult time what certain poets are saying and what certain poems are getting at? Yeah. I can relate as well. I remember that I had a, a tough time with poetry in, in school. In fact, I felt completely lost on, on certain poems. And then I had other classmates in the class who enjoyed reading poetry, and they would explain these difficult, difficult poems. And I remember thinking to myself, how in the world did you get that from this? Again, anybody else? Can relate? Can y'all relate to that? Yeah, you were there too, huh? Yeah. Well, with this sermon in mind, and this sermon series in mind, I was looking at a uh, website a few weeks ago called the uh, Poetry Foundation website, and on this site they they made a similar point. They were uh, uh, giving some common reasons why certain people don't enjoy reading poetry. And one of the main reasons why is because many feel as if poetry is too difficult to understand and they also view it as being irrelevant, which is why many don't want to have much to do with learning about how to read it. And if that's your mentality this morning, let me share with you why that's a problem. Did you know that 25% of the Bible is poetry. Did you know that? 25%. Think about that, believers. We all know that God has communicated to us in written language, right? But how many of you knew that one-fourth of God's revelation to us was given to us in, in poetry? It's true. And because this is true, we cannot ignore poetry, can we? We cannot say that poetry is just too tough to understand and irrelevant, therefore I'm not going to take any time to study it. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. I'm just going to ignore it. We can't do that, can we? Folks, if we did that, we would have to skip 25% of the Bible. We can't afford to do that, can we? As Scripture teaches, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's filled up with the breath of God. It's given to us by God, and it's profitable to us. All of Scripture for teaching, for correcting, and for rebuking, and for training in righteousness. Therefore, we can't neglect one-fourth of the Bible, can we? Well, this morning, we're starting a new sermon series entitled Studying the Psalms. And what we're going to be doing in here over the next 10 Sundays is we're going to be looking at poetry. Specifically, we're going to be studying poetry in the book of Psalms. Now, this morning is going to be a bit unique from other Sundays. This is going to be a little more teachy than preachy, so bear with me. 
because before we can really get into this study, I, I've got I've to give you some background into the book. I've got to spend a little time on the, on the introduction and the background of the book before we can move forward in this series. And I'm also going to give you some insights this morning into the book of Psalms, and I'm going to tell you where we're going in this study. And then next week, I'm going to begin preaching through a particular psalm. So if you're, you're not a fan of the teachy, you like more of the preachy, just bear with me, okay? It's going to be a lot more preachy next week, okay? But we've got to do this first. And before I share with you some uh, uh, background information about the book, let me first give you the reason why I've chosen to do this study through the psalms. One reason why is because to an extent, we are somewhat familiar with the psalms, yet in another way, we're not very familiar with them at all. Let me explain what I mean when I say that. In one sense, we're very familiar with the Psalms because of the popularity of the book. The book of Psalms is a popular book from the Bible. In my hands, I have right here the Gideon New Testament. This is a New Testament book, but what two Old Testament books are in this New Testament book? Y'all know? Psalms and Proverbs, that's right. So it's a, it's a popular book. Those Psalms is an Old Testament book. It's found in, in many New Testament Bibles. Psalms is also the most quoted book in the New Testament. The most quoted Old Testament book. Did y'all know that? It is. The New Testament authors quote Psalms more than any other Old Testament book. There are also many shows and, and movies we, we see on TV and in the theaters that, that quote the Psalms. They do. Psalm 23, one of the shepherd Psalms, is used quite a bit in our movies and TV shows. We hear phrases like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We hear this quoted a lot in movies and on TV programs. I've preached a few funerals and have had certain family members who are not all that knowledgeable of the scriptures, who are, who are from unchurched backgrounds, who know very little about the Bible, who will often request that I read Psalm 23 because they know that psalm. It's familiar to them. It's popular. The psalms are also commonly used in the songs that we know and sing, right? Let's do a few of these lyrics. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Sound familiar? Yeah. We sing quite a few of these, don't we? So we're somewhat familiar with the Psalms because of their popularity, right? But there's also a sense in which we're not overly familiar and overly comfortable with the Psalms. Am I right? And I think one of the, uh, there's a few reasons for this. One is because this book, unlike other books in our Bible, it doesn't flow like the other books flow. In other books, you can start from the beginning and read it through one chapter after another and get a good idea of where the story's going and, and, and the flow of thought. But with the Psalms, for the most part, each chapter just seems to, to sort of stand on its own. 
by itself. So the question then becomes, how do we read these? How do we read the Psalms? Do we read them through one after another? Or do we place them into different categories and read them and understand them in that way? How are we to read the Psalms? That's one of the challenges. Another reason why reading through the Psalms can be challenging, again, is because it's, it's poetic. It's poetry. We're not all that comfortable. A lot of us aren't with poetry, are we? Especially Hebrew poetry. So that's one of the main reasons why I've decided that we're going to study through the Psalms so that we can become more familiar with them and know how to better read them and have a clearer understanding of this book. And I want to make mention of this at this time. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking for a great book to kind of complement our study, I've got a book up here for you. It's How to Read the Psalms by Tremper Longman. And it's a, it's a very short read, a very easy read, but it will really complement what we're doing here in this study. So uh, if you want to get that, get that. If you would like me to get that for you, I will purchase the book. It'll cost you $11, but I'll purchase it first, and I can get a bulk discount. So if you would like this book, see me afterwards. I think it'll really, uh, it'll really go well with the study, okay? So, so that's, that's a good book to get. A few other reasons why I want to study this book. One, so we can know God better, love Him better, follow, serve, and worship Him better. And that's my aim with most every book that we study in here. But there's also another goal that I have for this study that is unique to the Psalms, and it's this. With most books of the Bible, you have God communicating through His writers to His audience. And though you have that in the Psalms, this book is is unique in that it's also made up of Psalms and prayers that are written by God's people to God. So the book of Psalms are, are written by God's people to Him. And some will ask, well, does that mean that it's not inspired then? Because it's written from God's people to God. No. It's inspired by God. Like we've said in here time and time again, all of Scripture is inspired by God. It's it's God-breathed. But the Psalms are unique in that it is an inspired book where not only we learn what God has to say to us, but we also learn the proper way to say things to God. In this book, we learn how to address God. We learn how to pray to Him. We learn how to worship Him in a manner that is worthy of Him. I'd say that's pretty important, wouldn't you? So these Psalms, they they model for us how to approach a holy and righteous God. Now let's talk a bit about the background of the book of Psalms. First, let's talk about the title. Where do we get that word Psalms from? Have you ever thought about that? No? (laughs) A few deep thinkers, right? What does that word mean? Well, bear with me for a moment while I share with you just a little bit of of, uh, Hebrew and and Greek with you. Uh, The Hebrew title is the the word tehalim. Tehalim is is the Hebrew, and it means to praise. And when the Old Testament got translated into the Greek, which is now known as the Septuagint, that's the Greek Old and New Testament, the word for tehalim in the Greek was psalmos. Uh, they used the word psalmos or psalms, which means to pluck or to play or to sing. So really, the book of Psalms is a hymn book. 
In fact, many refer to this book as the hymn book of the Bible. When we sing psalms like we've done already today and like I talked about earlier, that's a good thing. That's one of the reasons why the psalms were written to be sung. Now let's talk about the authorship for a minute. First, it's always important to remember that it has a divine author. There is a divine author. We know that God stands behind this book as its author, as he does the other books of the Bible. But there is also human authorship as well. In fact, there are multiple human authors, which is another reason why this book is unique. There are probably at least seven different authors at the least, And each psalm was also written at a different period of time. The earliest author that we know of was was Moses, who was writing around 1400 B.C. And some of the later authors wrote around the time of the Jewish exile and even after the Jewish exile, which would have been around 400 B.C. So this book spans a period of a thousand years. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? It's amazing. And again, makes it a very unique book, doesn't it? How many of y'all know who wrote the most psalms? Y'all know? Just shout it out if you know it. David. David. Very good. Y'all know who's second? Yeah, Asaph. That's right, Asaph. He wrote 12. Sons of Korah wrote wrote 11. Solomon wrote 2. Moses wrote 1, maybe 2. Many believe that Ezra was also uh, one, wrote, wrote one as well. And uh, there are over 40 of the Psalms that are anonymous in authorship. So the guys I just mentioned, they may have written some more or we may have some more authors in there as well. So a lot of different authors. A few more interesting things about the book. Like I said a moment ago, this book spans a time period of a thousand years. And and though the Psalms were being added all the time over this time period, this book was used continually by the Jewish people as a hymn book. All right. And another unique thing about this book is it's the biggest book in the Bible. It has 150 chapters. And also has the longest chapter of any chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, which is, uh, it contains 176 verses and over 2,500 words. And I haven't chosen that to preach from this series. I was kind of selective and I left that one out, okay? So you can, you can think that we'd be here until evening worship if we did that. Now let's talk about the, uh, the type of book. That the book of Psalms is. We've already talked about this, but let me, let me explain a few things here. It's very important. Whenever you open up your Bible, it's very important to ask this question. What type of book am I reading? What type of literature is this? Just like with any reading material, it's important to first know what you're reading because that determines how you read it. It does. If you're reading a biography... My guess is you're going to read that differently than if you were reading a science fiction novel. Am I right? Yeah. First off, one's true. The other's fiction. One's informative. The other's entertaining. You see? Think about the newspaper. In the newspaper, you have headlines, the entertainment section, the sports section, the comics. And my guess is if you're reading the comics, do they have, still have comics, by the way? Do it's been a while since I, I read the news just online, not on paper. But yeah, I guess if you're reading the comics section, 
uh, you're going to read that differently than if you were to read the headlines. Am I right? Yeah. Well, the same is true when it comes to reading the Bible. Now, in the Bible, everything's true. It's, it's all true. But there are, different, there are different categories, different genres, different types of books within the Bible. You have the law. You have history. Poetry, prophecy, gospels, epistles, apocalyptic literature, and each are to be approached and read differently. Well, the book of Psalms falls into the, the poetry section of Scripture. And the other poetic books grouped together with the book of Psalms are uh, Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And it's not by accident that these are grouped together. They're grouped as a category together. Actually, Job was, you know, thought to be written around the time of, of, of the period of Genesis, when Genesis was written, but it's lumped in with the poetry books, okay? And uh, so, so Psalms, the book of Psalms is in the uh, category of poetry in the Bible. Now, let's take a few minutes to discuss why it's important to spend some time talking about poetry and how to read poetry and why it's important that we learn some of the rules from Hebrew poetry. The first reason is pretty simple. The first reason why is because understanding poetry helps us to better understand the Psalms because the Psalms is poetry, all right? Makes sense? Let me give you a few examples. For example, those of y'all familiar with poetry, you know that poems possess figurative language, right? Figurative language to express an emotion or an idea. And the Psalms are written in this way. There is a lot of inexact and figurative language in this book, the book of Psalms. For example, David says in Psalm 6, Every night I flood my bed with tears. Now is David speaking literally or figuratively here? Does he literally mean that his bed is soaked with his tears? No, he's using figurative language here to express a strong emotion. He's showing here in Psalm 6 that he is feeling incredibly sad. When you read that figurative language, you really get a better sense of the pain that David's going through, don't you? When he says, I, I soaked my couch with my tears. I soaked my bed. So figurative language is an, a key element in the, in the poetic books. And in the Psalms, we find it there. And it's very effective. There's also rhythm in poetic books as well. Now, this is different from the rhythm of, of the poet, poems we were brought up on. You know, our, our poetry, in our poetry, there's a rhyming of sounds. For example, hickory dickory dock. The mouse ran up the clock. You can hear the rhythm there, right? You can hear the rhyming of sounds. Well, in Hebrew poetry, it's a bit different. There's not a rhyming of sounds, but a rhyming of ideas, okay? There's a rhyming of ideas. Let me show you what I mean. Psalm chapter 1. We're going to be here next week. We're going to be preaching through Psalm 1. Turn there. Psalm 1, look at verse 1. And we have it up on the screen as well. Listen to the rhythm here. Listen to the rhyming of ideas. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Notice the words walks, 
stands and sits. And we also have the word wicked sinners and scoffers. Listen again while I read it. Listen to the rhythm here. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You hear that rhythm there? You hear that rhyming of ideas? This is what is called in in Hebrew poetry parallelism, and that's just a big fancy word that means something really simple. This is when the author says the same thing several different ways to make one emphatic point. Look at the three points here in Psalm 1-1. They're basically saying the same thing, right? The psalmist here is just stressing the point that we're not to be of the world. He's making the point that the key to living a blessed life, the key to living a happy life is to live a holy life. That's what he's saying. That's the point. And by saying this three different ways, he's really just hammering home this one point. You see how effective that can be? That's that's the purpose of his writing here. So this is is another key element to to Hebrew poetry. So you understand why it's important we learn the rules of Hebrew poetry. It helps us in our understanding of the scriptures, doesn't it? Now let me say this. Though the book of Psalms is in the poetry section of the Bible within the Psalms, get this, it's going to get a little bit more complicated, but bear with me. Though the the Psalms are in the poetic section of the Bible, within the book of Psalms are various kinds and types of Psalms. Let me give you an example of a few of these. Uh, There are three major categories of Psalms in in the Bible, and why I label these as major categories is because the majority of Psalms, they fall into one of these first three groups. The first major type of Psalms are what are called praise Psalms. Praise Psalms. They're also known as Psalms of Orientation. In these Psalms, the attitude of the psalmist is extremely positive and upbeat and optimistic. Basically, when a, when a psalmist is writing a praise psalm, here's the attitude. Everything's great. I'm good with God. He's good with me. Life's good in general. So I'm just going to worship him like crazy. And I'm going to call on other people to worship him like crazy. Let me give an example of this type of psalm. Look at Psalm 100. You can turn there. We're going to have it up on the screen. Psalm 100. Look at verses 1 through 5. The psalmist says... Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Notice the psalmist here is just... He's extremely optimistic, isn't he? Upbeat and positive. This is the attitude of a praise psalm. Here the psalmist is saying, in this particular psalm, he's saying God is good. He made us. We're his. We're his people. The sheep of his pasture. So let's worship him like crazy. That's a praise psalm. Psalm of orientation. It says, I'm oriented to God. I'm close to him and he to me. So I'm going to praise him. 
So now that we know what kind of psalm, Psalm 100 is, let me ask you this. Is this psalm applicable to us? Is it? You ever feel this way? You ever feel good in your relationship with God? I hope so. You ever had a time when you feel really close to him and you just want to praise him for the close relationship you have with him? Well, you have right here in Psalm 100 a great guide on how to respond to God when things are great. Right there. It's pretty practical, isn't it? Second major type of psalm that we find in this book are lament psalms. These are psalms of disorientation. Whereas the, the praise psalms are positive and upbeat, these are more negative and gloomy, yet they are hopeful. They are hopeful. These psalms are written at a time when things are not good, when God seems distant. Let me give you an example of a lament psalm. Look at Psalm 22. We have this up on the screen as well. Psalm 22. This is a psalm of David. Listen to what David says here. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sound familiar? Yeah, Christ quoted this psalm while he was at Calvary. Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. So here we see David is crying out to God. He's saying, God, things stink for me right now. I'm going through it, God, and it feels as if you've abandoned me. He says, I cry by day, but you do not answer. Let me ask you this. Have any of you ever felt this way before? Raise your hand. Yeah, we've all been there. Well, these psalms give us a good example of how to go to God in the difficult times of life. That's very practical, isn't it? And notice that David is honest about how he's feeling, isn't he? He's honest about the fact that God seems distant and about how his life stinks. It's okay to be honest. God knows what you're thinking anyways. David just expresses it, doesn't he? he but, but notice also, he expresses trust in the Lord. Look at verses 3 through 5 of Psalm 22. David says this, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Man, there is great hope in the midst of sadness, isn't there? And the Psalms teach us that. So David shows us how we can trust in God even in the midst of difficulty and how there's hope and how we can and should still trust in the Lord and know that he will eventually deliver us. The third major type of psalm that we find in the book of Psalms are psalms of thanksgiving or psalms of reorientation. These psalms are praise psalms and lament psalms all rolled into one. These psalms follow this pattern. Life was good, then it got bad, now it's good again. Pretty simple, but, but that's how they go. So in these psalms, the psalmist 
is responding to God in this way. They're saying, God, I praise you for restoring me. I praise you because though I was down and out, you heard my prayers and you have restored me and you have renewed me. You have reoriented me. You have brought me back out of my hardships and you have delivered me from my distress. Good example of a psalm of thanksgiving would be Psalm 18. Look at it up on the screen. Verse 3 through 5. We've sung this before as well. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. Notice the past tense used here, folks. The cords of death encompassed me, past tense. The, the, the torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me, past tense. And then look at verse 6. In my distress, the psalmist says, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. And then look down to verses 16 and 17. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy. So notice here that David is saying, I'm praising you here, Lord, because though I was in a bad way, you heard me and you rescued me. You ever been rescued? You ever been restored? Want to know how to praise God for that? Here's how. Psalms are extremely practical. They are. So over the next 10 weeks, we're going to take a week or two and look at each of these types of psalms. And I'm going to, I'm going to take a particular psalm and we're going to, I'm going to preach through it. And I'm going, to, I'm going to show you how we benefit from, from reading and applying these psalms. But there are also some minor categories we're going to look at as well. There are wisdom psalms. We're going to look at a, uh, one of those next week. We find that in a wisdom psalm in Psalm chapter 1. Wisdom psalms are, are a bit unique in that they do not uh, so much deal with how we address God, but, but instead they tell us and they instruct us on how we are to live for Him. So, so wisdom psalms teach us how to skillfully apply God's Word. There are also psalms of confidence. In these psalms, the psalmist is saying, I'm confident in God no matter what. There are also psalms of remembrance. In these psalms, the psalmist is looking back at how God has been faithful in the past, and he's calling the reader to remember how God's been faithful, and he's calling for the reader to then trust God in the present and in the future. There are also kingship psalms. At times, these psalms are, are written about a, a particular king of Israel, but these, songs, these psalms also look forward to the, the future king to come, the Lord Jesus. And the kingship songs that, that, that point toward Christ are also known as messianic psalms. So there are a lot of different categories, right? A lot of different kinds and types of psalms. And again, by, by categorizing them and grouping them into these different genres, I believe this helps us in understanding the psalms so that we can know how to better read them and understand them and use them for worship and for prayer. Uh, one thing you're going to find, folks, as we study through 
this book over the next 10 weeks. And as we look at, at different psalms, you're going to find how much you relate to the psalmist. I'm telling you, the feelings and the emotions that are poured into this book are real and relatable. They are. You know why? Because they're, they're people just like you and me who went through the same storms of life that we go through as a child of God. The Psalms really capture the highs and the lows that one experiences as a child of God and gives us great insight into how we are to respond in, in all of these seasons of life in a way that honors God. And I hope that this study will, will just improve your reading of the Psalms and will, will give you great insight into how God is to be approached and worshipped by you in and throughout the seasons of your life. That's my prayer for you, believers. But for those of you who are here this morning who did not know how to relate to God because you don't know Him, if you're here this morning and relating to God is just completely foreign to you because you do not know Him, here's my prayer for you. I pray that you would stick it out with us through this series and that as we study through this series and as we read about and as I tell you about how God can and should be approached in the best of times and through the worst of times, I pray that God would use this study to just create in you a desire to want to know Him. That you would come to understand the only way we can truly know Him, folks, is through His Son, the Lord Jesus. As we said earlier, this book is the most quoted book, the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. And that's not by accident. Listen, this book is meant to be read with New Testament eyes. It is. This book is meant to be read in light of what Christ has done for you and for me. You see, through His person and through His work on the cross, Christ made this relationship possible. Christ came to earth to accomplish salvation for us, to bring us to God so that we could have this kind of relationship with Him. This kind of relationship that is described by the authors in this book. So that's my prayer for you. And at this time, I'm going to do just that. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for this series. And I'm going to pray for you as well. Let's pray.